Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. By now, I hope you know me. I am your host, Angie Callen. And if you've hung around this podcast with me long enough, you know we talk a lot about the importance of relationships, networking, and authenticity in your career and your business. Well, get ready because we're going to talk about it even more today as we literally have the guy who wrote the book on business relationships. Ed Wallace is an international speaker, leadership trainer, and the author of The Relationship Engine, where he uses his experience in corporate relationship management and business development to help us connect with the people who power our businesses and our careers. If you're a leader or a business owner or even just an employee who wants to improve the quality of your relationships with your clients, your teams, your business partners, whatever they may be, don't go anywhere. Relationships are the spice of life and everyone is going to learn something from this conversation. I know it. Let's get into it. Ed, welcome to No More Mondays. Thanks, Angie. Great to be here on No More Mondays with you. First off, let's give everybody a little bit more context. This I'm I'm exceptionally excited for this conversation because relationships are so foundational to uh, our professional development. And I think it would help to kick up, kick us off and tell everybody out there a little bit about the work you're doing in a practice called human, a human capital practice, which I love that, that term and achieve next. So fill us in. Well, achieve next is a, is an organization that we form that uh, helps people develop whether it be through executive coaching, leadership development. I know you're an, ex- an, ex- an extremely strong executive coach, and that's something I like to talk to you about after this podcast. Uh, and then our, one of our main practices is the one that I formed called business relationship training uh, based on how to help individuals and corporations, teams launch, advance, and sustain their most important business relationships. When I was a VP of sales, we would just say, hey, go follow Charlie. He's really good with people. And, you know, 40 people would be trying to follow Charlie. Uh, No one actually ever created a process, put metrics, uh, and really focused on the dark art of of how people work together. And for the last 18 years, I think, if you ask me our greatest accomplishment – we helped organizations realize relationship development is a competency, regardless of your DISC score, regardless of your Myers-Briggs score, regardless of your personality style. We do an awful lot of training with engineers. We do an awful lot of training with IT people, and we do your traditional salespeople. So um, <clears throat> if you have a process, people can learn anything. I think you bring up a good point because, and here we go, sidetrack number one, everyone, get it. ready. This is going to be really fun. So uh, fun fact, I don't know if Ed even knows, I am a former engineer. Uh, wow. However, I don't have the community, like I, I just, it was not my forever work. But because of that, a lot of the work I also do is with 
with engineers, technical people, let's say who we would classically consider introverts who are not naturally strong at building relationships. But I think you bring up the good point that this is a competency you can learn and build. It doesn't necessarily have to be innate for you to be able to flex the muscle. Exactly. We, we create a process called the relationship ladder. Five easy steps to take you from an acquaintance to a peer to an advisor with another person. And uh, when, when, when process-centric people see that, oh, I can learn this stuff. And of course, the great you know, personality type individuals are like, oh, He's just validating what I'm so good at. Uh, and, and, and there's a linchpin to everything we do. Uh, and I think you'll love this. I know your audience will love this concept, Angie. It's called relational GPS. I hear all the time, there's so many things to learn about people. And how do I build a relationship? Well, number one, you want to be curious. And that's one of your superpowers. And once you're curious, you're going to learn about people's business and personal goals their causes or passions, things they care deeply about and or their struggles. Every human being has that code in their DNA. And, and then all of a sudden when you're hearing things like, oh, that was a goal. I'm going to explore Angie's goal or, you know, Angie's struggling with that. I'm going to ask some questions and be a little careful how I ask those questions. And then the next time I talk to Angie, and, and we've had so many customers build this into their CRM systems, these three simple, simple letters, goals, our GPS, goals, passions, and struggles, the roadmap to relational success. So there's a little easy takeaway for everybody before I say anything else. I love it. So the idea here is that one foundational element you can bring to a relationship is understanding goals, passions, and struggles. I mean, even just from a sales 101 and anybody out there who's done uh, entrepreneurship coaching with me is like, oh no, here she goes. <laughs> Solutions that solve problems, <laughs> the pain point thing, right? So if you can understand what somebody wants, and, and have sympathy or even empathy for the struggles, getting them there, all of a sudden there's a common ground there that is kind of creates an instant and authentic connection, right? Yes, exactly. In fact, I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs in your audience, and I believe an entrepreneur is nothing more than a solution looking for problems. But to, to find those problems, you have to build relationships, so it, it kind of it's kind of a circular thing. You, you've got all these skills. Maybe you had a technical background, and now you want to take it out and create your own practice or business or something like that. Ultimately, you got to go meet people. I, I always like to say, and I know when I started my company 18 years ago, I had to have at least 100 meetings. Now that sounds daunting. It's two a week, right? It's not that daunting. And if you want to do it in half a year, it's four a week. Well, you could do one meeting a day talking to people about your business and learning things. So, uh, you know, I, I always thought I'd write a book on that and I never got to that. Uh, but I think that, and, and by the way, this is my normal voice. So if I sound raspy, this is how I talk. Uh, I speak all the time and I never get my normal voice back. So hope you don't mind. <laughs> Uh, but but you got to have 100 meetings. So if you're an entrepreneur, plan on having 100 meetings before you actually start seeing some progress. I know that sounds daunting, but it really isn't. Well, and it's the and it goes back to the idea that I love that idea that like as an entrepreneur, I am I am a solution. I have a solution, or I should, right? Because the last thing you want to do is try to create the problem for which you have a solution kind of people already need to have them. However, you can't be that solution if you're not out there talking to the people and building relationships with the people who have the problem that you can solve for them. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting. When I started, LinkedIn was not where it is today. And uh, 
I don't believe LinkedIn is, is really, LinkedIn is really about selling. It's about creating a profile for yourself. And the more you contribute, I think the more the, the, your profile increases and then people start sharing. And next thing you know, people start reaching out to you on LinkedIn, like, hey, can you help my company? Or do you do this? Or do you know somebody who does that? So I think, you know, LinkedIn can be looked at a lot of different ways, but it's the number one business network. And I'm a convert. Uh, I'm a baby boomer until five years ago. If you, you know, I'm a keynote speaker, speak all over the world. I had the worst LinkedIn profile you'd ever want to see. And then I had a salesperson who was part of our company say, you know, you got to up your LinkedIn game, man. And, and he taught me how to do it. And now I love LinkedIn. I, I love LinkedIn. Um, we, we, uh, we built, we built a network of sales leaders and entrepreneurs on our LinkedIn and, You'd be surprised at who weighs in when we post something. So if you're an entrepreneur, and I know that's not necessarily part of our discussion today, but you, you create that ethereal, those ethereal relationships, they're really important. I'm like, I'm like vibrating over here because you just gave me like a giant, I mean, this is like the biggest, shiniest carrot you could give me because I am a huge proponent of, of LinkedIn. It is how I started my business. Uh, I got my for the, a real true story. I got my first client because I commented on somebody else's post, right? And so you have the ability, and I'm and I and I think that this is, even if this isn't the core of our conversation, LinkedIn is a really uh, leverageable, critical tool to building business relationships, Absolutely. right? So it, it enables the bigger conversation that we're having here, and it's very relevant whether you are an entrepreneur who wants to go find the problem that of which you are the solution, or if you're a job seeker or in a, you know, a professional, more professional development capacity of wanting to create uh potential for yourself in the future, there's, there's a lot of proactivity that you can, that LinkedIn can allow you to have to build relationships before you need them, which brings me to something I want to ask you, Ed. I really have to psych people up to get into the, the LinkedIn networking game mm-hmm. because they feel it, they feel inauthentic. It feels disingenuous. It feels like, well, I'm just asking for help. It's self-serving. How, as a fellow fan of this platform, as an enablement tool to building relationships, can someone do this authentically so that it feels good and natural and does help this idea of building intentional relationships? Well, I think, first of all, being authentic on LinkedIn is really important. So uh, we might, we have a, a little series we call a minute to win it, sales minute to win it. And every two, three weeks, I'm sitting in this room. You might see a worker with a, a weed whacker go by and we have a very informal 60 seconds that we'll post. And I think people on LinkedIn appreciate authenticity. 82% of millennial decision makers, and they're the number one group of decision makers in the business world today, check you out on LinkedIn before they will engage with you. I mean, that's a scary number that, 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 that the first place they go, you go, because <laughs> I'm presuming that's around where you are, maybe a little younger, uh, a millennial goes to LinkedIn. So get a great picture out there, good, put a good background on there. Uh, I noticed in your LinkedIn, you talk about how you contribute, not your job. So underneath your picture, that's how you contribute to the world. That's how you make a difference. Your about is really your job or your business or or those kind of things. So uh, keep that in mind. And 
you mentioned it right off the bat. You commented on a post. That's the simplest way. And that comment does say, hey, by the way, I train all these clients and I know this. No, you make a comment on the post that, that provides some sense of credibility to you. Maybe you, I just cited some data that always makes you credible. Uh, or, or, you know, if you know Angie and you know her posts are strong, maybe say something about Angie's posts. They continue to be strong. And here's something I'd add to that. Uh, we don't have to create. I'm in the content business, but most of us don't have to create our own content. There's so much great stuff. There's stuff that comes in your spam that if you looked at it, maybe it's some survey they're trying to sell you and they give you a little data element. There's stuff out there. You can cite it and you can just post on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, let me, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to make a funny comment and then I'm going to make sure we don't end up down the whole LinkedIn rabbit hole. Cause like very well could, and it would be interesting, but uh, right now, uh, engaging with other people's content is the best way to build visibility on LinkedIn with the, how the algorithm is working. So for those of you that want to get a little bit more active on there, but the idea of creating your own content feels daunting or vulnerable or both, just go comment on stuff and just be your own voice. That's the big thing. And uh, it's funny because uh, the generational thing, I consider myself a Gen Xer with some millennial tendencies because I was born in 1980. I have a sister who's eight years older than me, and I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania where we were slow to adopt technology. However, <laughs> my little sister-in-law has a new boyfriend. And as soon as I found out his last name, the first thing I did was go look him on LinkedIn, <laughs> look him up on LinkedIn. So I just proved your point, Ed. Yep, That's right. <laughs> And you're a cusper. You're like a cusper. I'm a cusper. Yeah, you're a cusper. Yep, exactly. So. Well, and I think that I think that this all uh, brings us to something I did want to talk to you a little bit about, which is, you know, LinkedIn has become such a critical part of this overall business relationships ecosystem. And I'm curious for you over your time in the corporate world, what else have you seen change there? Because I feel like there is, we are starting to build, I would say, more systemic awareness around this kind of like intentionality, authenticity, relationships, the human capital piece. And I would love for you to kind of give us an idea of where you feel like we're at now compared to, you know, the last 30 or so years of corporate America and culture. Well, I think if you go way back, even before 30 years, past 30 years, everyone was a human brand. Our faces were our brand. Right. Everything was in person. And then over time, we started adding technology. And I and I and I when I wrote the relationship engine in I don't know, 2016 or 17, I didn't want to write that book. I had written three previous books and I thought I had plenty of books to run our business and to do well and to serve, you know, business kind. Right. Um, and then uh, the publisher, Harper Collins, approached me about writing a book for leadership that was, you know, because a lot of our focus was on sales. And I, I didn't want to write a book because it's about a thousand hours of time. And, you know, it's it's a lot of sleepless nights and I have a wonderful marriage. And sometimes it gets in the way because you're writing a book when you should be sleeping and your laptop gets closed while you're sleeping. Um, so I asked the publisher, what's my book about? And they said, thoughtfulness in business. And that got my attention because right around, you know, we are so digital. Everything was digital. We're going to sell everything digitally. Everything's going to be purchased on the internet. We don't need human beings anymore. And here's a publisher and they know how to sell books. They're saying, no, no, no. We see it swinging back to a little more normalcy. So I, I think that, and then the pandemic happened. 
And now we are swamped with in-person requests because everybody see. So I, th- I think regardless of your generation, I think human beings do like to socialize where you can actually shake hands or punch fists or whatever, whatever we do, what everybody's comfortable with. Uh, so I think, I think the swing back to uh, in-person and high touch. And if you're an entrepreneur, it's a high contact sport. I want to make sure that's clear. This mm-hmm. is not, I'm going to sell my, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur and it's not a product, you're selling the invisible. Mm-hmm. And the invisible is an idea. How in the world do you sell? Like, how, how does Angie start her business? I'm asking this rhetorically and become a great executive coach and help with career uh, resume writing and all the great things you do in your, in your own business. Well, somewhere along the line, you were, uh, please don't take this the wrong way, a nobody in that space. I was a nobody in, uh, in sales training and learning and development. Um, so somewhere along the line, we had to take a chance. We had to put ourselves out there and we had to go meet people. And every, and every once in a while, we get lucky and you know, some customer, some company says, you know what? This is different. I haven't seen anything like this before. I'm going to give this person a chance and then you deliver, you don't. And most entrepreneurs usually can deliver because they're pretty highly skilled, but you are selling invisible stuff. You're selling ideas and it all comes down to the like, know, and trust you can build with that person. And, and it starts with like, you know, how do they like you? Like, what are you going to look like in front of their team or working with them? How are they going to, how do they feel? Are they smiling when they're with you or they're like, Oh geez, I got another call with Ed today. Like there's a lot to that. And I I don't think it's necessarily all psychological. I think it's behavioral. I think the way we behave, the way they perceive us, it starts with a concept that we call worthy intent. Um, Should I pivot into that? Angie, I didn't think I was going to just to, I just, I was actually just writing it down to make sure that we went more into it. So (laughs) let's just go more into it. Tell me more. Well, every entrepreneur has to start to what they did. And I was a VP of sales for a tech technology company for many years, had a great career. I mean, I was on a great path, could have stayed there another 20 years and then retired. And on a Friday in August in 2006, my youngest son, Grant, fell off a skateboard, had to be medevaced to Children's Hospital here in Philadelphia uh, with my wife. And I had to get to the hospital with our older son, Brett, that on a busy Friday afternoon. And uh, when Brett and I, now Laurie and, and Grant, they got there in four minutes. It was going to take us almost an hour in Friday afternoon traffic. So when we finally get to Children's Hospital, they call it CHOP, C-H-O-P for short. We, we're coming down through like elevators and navigating and because we used a different health system at the time. And when we, get, when we got to the bottom of the escalator, a woman approached us wearing a, a, a business suit with a lanyard on, and she looked at a flip uh, at a, a chart, and she said, are, "Are you the Wallaces?" Now you can imagine how I felt that oh my gosh, they had to send some, something really bad happened. And uh, it turned out she said she introduced herself. She said, "I just want to let you know Grant is stable. We think he's got a very bad concussion, and I'm going to take you to where we take our helicopter kids." And as I'm smiling now. That warm gesture, that reassurance, like, hey, we have helicopter kids all the time here. You're going to be okay. That flipped everything around for me. You know, Grant had a severe concussion. 
He played college baseball. He works in the business with me today. But that was the pivotal moment where I went from corporate guy to entrepreneur. I always wanted to um, form a company uh, and help people. And I, one thing I was really good at was relationships. And, and I knew there wasn't a lot on that. It was like a little niche. So um, the first phrase they came up with was worthy intent. That health system did not have to do that. They did not have to put us first. We would have found Grant and Laurie somewhere, uh, but they sent a representative uh, to, to help us with that. I, uh, you know, I, I call that an ambassador of first impressions, right? They sent that ambassador to us. So, ha- so, but, um, you know, Angie, a monk has good intentions, right? A monk is off somewhere praying, thinking great thoughts, sending energy into the universe. They have no clue that our good intentions, their good intentions are being, are, are being successful. Business people, entrepreneurs, they know. We get they, to see it. We get to see it, hear it. So how would the health system have gauged our good intention, their good intentions playing back to us? Well, number one, Laurie switched both kids to that health system. Uh, whenever, and she was a nurse. And whenever, um, Whenever parents asked for her advice, she recommended their doctors. We donate to their big fundraiser every year. Um, I tell this story in keynotes and continue to promote the CHOP brand and how well it's, I think it's in the first chapter in, in the book you referenced. I think I've got it in there somewhere. My point is we can observe behaviors that display our worthy intentions. That's what a monk can't get. But we know whether people are giving us extra meeting time, whether they're showing up on time for the meetings we set, they're asking us questions about our business, they're offering to help us. We can observe all those behaviors. And, and that's the foundational principle that we think all relationships are built on, that if we don't enter interactions with good intentions, those are greens fees. They get us on the golf course. They get us in the theater. But it's all about the response we get that tells us, hey, this is really working out. I would highly recommend for your audience, if they're thinking about becoming entrepreneurs, don't wait for your son to fall off a skateboard, okay? <laughs> Take Angie's advice and start thinking about it proactively. You don't need a traumatic event that changes your life and, and throws you into that kind of, kind of, a, of a flutter. Uh, you know, think about it, plan it. And I like the term you like to use, Angie, is intentional. Be intentional about it. So thank you for letting me share that story. Well, and and I love that you brought it back to that idea of uh, there's a way to embrace some of these things without waiting for the the precipitating event to come. And a lot of times I'll ask people, like, what was the catalyst Mm -hmm. that finally got you to move from employment into entrepreneurship. And what's really interesting, and, and Ed and I were actually talking about this before we started recording. So uh, there's a little like behind the scenes info is there's two common themes I, I see here. One is that many people have the wake up call when it came to making a big change. However, Ed and I both agree that you can actually proactively put yourself through a process there or, or, uh, begin considering some of those things without waiting for that external force to apply to you, and it, which means you could probably do it with a little bit more control uh, and, and intentionality. And the second thing we see here, which was also in your story and, and what I would like to dive into a little bit more is the idea of intentionality. You know, we have found very much that people who are satisfied in their work and, you know, don't 
disdain Mondays anymore have have been intentional, whether it's finding goals alignment in an employer or whether it is figuring out that purpose and 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 going to serve. And I love this this idea that if you can become intentional and masterful in relationships and pair that with that intentionality, you have so much to gain from it. What do, what do we have to gain? What is the reason somebody should go and take a step towards doing this? Well, uh, just to comment on one of your points, you know, work can be a four letter word for some people. And, and uh, I, I, I've been fortunate that I've, whenever I've been in a situation where work was a four letter word, I'm a recovering accountant <laughs> and it was a four letter word because nothing wrong. I have lots of friends who are CPAs uh, but it just wasn't in my personality. And um, we, rather than, uh, you know, what what are the three things you can do when you have a situation that you don't really want to be involved with? You can accept it and continue to suffer, right? You're a coach, you know this. You can uh, you can seek to change it or you can leave, <laughs> right? Uh, but so, it's a choice. But no it's a choice. No matter which one you choose, flight, fight, or freeze, it's a choice. <laughs> I, yeah, I like those terms better. Uh, and and uh, you have a choice. You have a choice to wake up. Like uh, you have a choice to wake up, put your feet on the on, on the on the bedroom floor, and not hit snooze. Right? You have you have that choice every day. You have a choice to eat healthy or what? All the different things. You have a choice to be happy. Um, everybody, like I was given a keynote once, Angie, and um, uh, you know, I signed books after the keynotes, and during the one book signing. This very nice person, she said to me, I can't believe you have problems. And I said, what do you mean? And she says, well, people in your business, you don't have it. Like she was sincere because I told her our older son is autistic. Uh, I had a sister who was very ill at the time. Some of these things come out when you're doing a keynote just off the top of your head. You'll tell a story. And she said, I never thought people like you had problems. I said, believe me, you didn't hear the half of my problems. <laughs> but, yeah, because just because you own your own business doesn't mean oh. there aren't some four-letter word days. However, yeah. uh, I think the, the the foundational piece is in making sure that the good days far outweigh the bad. And that's when you start to get out of whack there or when, you know, three out of four Sundays a month, you're, you know, you're reading my Sunday Scaries newsletter going, oh, my gosh, I needed this so bad. You might want to do something bigger than just read my newsletter, even though my newsletter is awesome. I'm sure but it's, I'm sure it, it's it, great. Nothing is, it's nothing's perfect, uh, but it's, an, it, it's about finding the situation that's perfect enough for you, your personality, your goals, and your own struggles, the GPS. Yeah, I, you know, I have a very simple metric for entrepreneurs, um, or even even when I work with uh, – we're training salespeople um, – at the end of every week, uh, or when you're comfortable, you should have a meeting with yourself. And I, I, I suggest you calendar it because if you don't, it won't happen. So the beginning of every year, set aside 4 to 4.30 on Fridays, a half an hour, an hour, whatever you want. And it's sacred unless it's something with your family that comes up. And, and during that time, it's a reflection time for your business. And, and this is a real kind of moment of truth idea. Ask yourself, did I advance my business this week? Really simple question. Really hard to answer. Do I feel like this week I'm further along than I was last Friday? 
And if you have about five or six weeks in a row, you know, then, but it is pretty, it is pretty easy to see, well, you know, I thought I had a tough week, but I had that meeting on Monday and that meeting on Tuesday led to this proposal. And you know what? I can actually forecast some revenue in a month or two. Those are what we call advances. (laughs) Are you advancing or are you stagnant or are you falling backwards? And and intellectually, being intellectually honest with yourself is is not that easy. But if you have to pay the mortgage or you've got you know children that you're trying to put through college, whatever it is, uh, it gets kind of daunting. So you can you can kind of cut right through it and say, you know what, I think I might need to pivot this, or you know what, I'm still charging forward. I'm doing great here. Well, and uh, I love that you kind of just started giving some let's say some tools, resources. I love to give people practical advice here because my first, you know, my first goal is let's inspire people, right? Look at these conversations. Look at these people who have taken risks or used adversity to progress themselves forward. They're sitting down on Friday afternoons and they like what they've done that week, right? Whether you're in a job or whether you own a business. And so let's, I would love to give everybody else a little bit more practical advice, you know, maybe on that relationship side of, of let's, let's say somebody's out there, they're listening. They're like, yeah, I could really be better about this relationship thing. Whether it's up the ladder, down my ladder with my clients, you know, I can be more intentional about it. So what are some small steps we can implement to do that? Well, one, one idea is around uh, creating a plan for relationships. Uh, You know, so, so it sounds kind of, I don't know, manipulative, but we have plans for most things in life. We have plans and processes. Even when we get up in the morning, we have a process. You work out, you do this, you eat this cereal, you do that. You drive, you know, we have a process. We get a mortgage, we have a process. We uh, we get financing for our kids for college. We have a process. There's a process for everything. Chick-fil-A has a process, right? And they're very successful <laughs> with it. So why not a process for the key relationships connected to our goals? And the research that we've uncovered over time is 89% of business people say relationships are the most important thing. They're only getting 45% of the potential from their relationships. It gets worse. Only 24% of people think about relationships with intention and, and only 5% actually create a plan to activate that intention. And a plan is so simple, Angie. Think about your goals, whatever your goal, write your goals down, right? Goals are just dreams until you write them down. That's a cliche, but it's true. The tactile aspect of writing is so much stronger, and I know I'm a baby boomer, than typing or reading. Write them down. And now start mapping a human being to help you accomplish that goal. Like a real belly button, not a company name, not a department, but a belly button. And so let's say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, um, uh, I'm trying to add executive coaching talent to our company here. And my goal next year is to have a, an alpha executive coach join our team. I know Angie. I'm going to write Angie's name down there. Okay. Real simple. Map a goal to a person. Easy, 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 but less than 5% of people do it. Now, what kind of relationship do I have with Angie? That's the second step. Um, 
Well, we're a little bit beyond acquaintances, but we're not advisors. So we're kind of peers. With Great. We're peers. Write it down. What do I know about Angie's, Angie's GPS? And it's shocking for people. I'll ask audiences who've had customers and colleagues, and they don't know their goals or they don't know their passions. Locate GPS. And then the last step is write a strategy. A real simple strategy that starts with a verb. <laughs> Meet, engage, introduce, um, uh, uh, deliver uh, something to advance that to launch, advance, or sustain that relationship with Angie. So, an action we call them an action. We call them action planning. We call it action planning. And it was shocking. I could be working with a bunch of boomers. They love this idea. I could be working with a bunch of brand new Gen Xers or Gen Zs. Uh, they love this idea because, okay, it, it's breaking down this big thing into, and, and we've actually created an assessment that asks you to do five people. And if you can apply this approach to five people, you can apply it to 55 or 555 or 5,055. So identify a goal, attach a human to it. Where do you stand relationally? What do you know about them GPS? What's your strategy? Strategies are one sentence, maybe two. Did we just get a sneak peek into the relationship ladder? Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> I kind of. I, I didn't. It. I, it, it, the ladder starts with you're an acquaintance to appear to an advisor, and depending on what your goal is, you don't have to be an advisor. Yeah, not everyone will will be step five on the ladder. That's right. In your world, that's right. We we suggest that if you can be in the middle, where you're a strong peer. That's 80% of your business is going to, and your, whatever you're trying to accomplish is going to come from those people. The top of the ladder are people you, you know, my, my son, Grant, uh, he works in the business now, as I mentioned, the helicopter kid, right? Dad, you know, uh, how many people do you have at the top of your ladder? He talk, he actually talks like that. I said, well, son, you know, never, no one ever asked me that. Well, you train these thousands, thousands of people. So I'll get back to you. So I actually one Saturday, I, nobody was around, which is rare. And I started, and I only wrote 14 names down. So in all the years of this business, 14 people are where I'm advising them and they're advising me. And I've trained, like I mentioned, thousands and thousands of people. There's 14 to make it to the top. Uh, so we don't need to get to the top. We don't have time. Let's get most of the relationships to the middle where we're behaving as peers to human beings helping each other, whether they be customer, you know, supplier, whether they be entrepreneur, uh, client, whatever that might be. So there's a couple ideas there I want to I highlight. One is that the further up the ladder you go, the more intimate the relationships get. So it's natural that there will be fewer of them. Otherwise, that ladder is going to be a little top heavy and it's going to fall over. Right, exactly. But the bigger thing, and you uh, you reinforced it a little bit just a second ago, is this idea that just as much as you want to make a plan on who you want to build relationships with, also make a plan on how you can be that person. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's one of the things if we talk about how to be authentic in networking or how to be authentic on LinkedIn or whatever it is, it's it's having a, true, a truly natural curiosity and willingness to get to know somebody else, either before or in addition to helping them get to know you. It, it's less self-serving that way. That's when you truly get to that really fruitful middle of the ladder peer, true peer mm -hmm. relationship. So my, my four ideas for uh, active listening, which you have to do, which you're referring to, 
uh, come prepared with a really good question. So I'm meeting you for the first time. I'm uh, some kind of consultant. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know whether I'm going to be good at this or not. I've done some background on, on you, Angie, because there's lots of information about all this right now. And I come prepared to ask you a question you have been asked before, like this one. Okay. I hope everybody likes this one. Angie, tell me something about your business that I can't find in a Google search. You like that one? Yeah. I'm sitting here trying to answer it in my head. But the point is, uh, while I try to figure out what the answer to that might be, yeah. now I'm curious in my own head, right? You just now you're I'm like, oh, what is there? Right. And it's it's almost that idea of like reverse engineering. So when you talk about the plan, start with why do I intentionally that's a word that's been in this conversation quite a lot want to bring this person onto my ladder at what level do I ultimately want them to be on the ladder and what steps should I take to get there? It's that idea of the plan or, or having it's like a goal within a goal. It's your mm -hmm. own GPS That's right. of knowing what goal they're going to help you achieve, maybe what problem they're even going to help solve for you, but also just reciprocating that at the same time and really and being informed and curious at the beginning. I tell exactly what I tell people, even just for like informational yep. interviews, if you're job searching or want to learn about new careers or something like that, go in and care <laughs> for five, for five yeah. minutes. Yeah, seriously. And, and you know, you, so you ask that question or here's the other one I like to ask is, you know, what's your competition doing that you, that you'd like to be able to do? That's a little different. That's not an entrepreneur type question. But but if you're a if you've got some kind of business services, you could ask that business owner that question. They, they're gonna, so they have been asked those questions generally. Uh, the the other th question I love is how's the business environment impacting your business? Another easy question you can ask anybody at any time because it's a dynamic business environment. It's a generic question, but it doesn't sound that way. They're going to interpret it based on that business environment at that moment. And then the three baby questions after they answer that are why, can you tell me more? Is there anything else? Everybody's like, how do I active listen? Actively listen. Ask, just ask, listen. ask a question, ask three you baby listen. questions. You're going to learn so much and you're going to jot down GPS. And the other thing that's going to come across is you're interested in them. You're trying to learn about them and not just, hey, I want to pitch you on this I want to pitch you on relationship training today. Um, so anyway, that that I I couldn't help when you you took me down that road to to comment on that. You, you don't go to a first date with a ring in your pocket. Is <laughs> is basically the if we could just come up with a very simple anecdote, you take the time to get to know each other before you pop the big question. That's right. That's right. And these are great methodologies to do that. I uh, one of the uh, book that changed my coaching, my approach to coaching was Michael Bungay Stainer's The Coaching Habit, and it is very much rooted in the tell me more, tell me more. And you just keep asking what else until there is nothing else, because so few people actively listen to us and hear what we're saying that as soon as you give someone space to do that. It's magic, right? That's that to me is the foundation, the starting point of the relationship, because the the like is there because you show you're willing to to hear them. The trust is there because of the same. And now you know each other because you shared these things that a lot of people don't give space for. So be curious. And the baby questions is an excellent piece of advice to start the next time you go into a new 
business engagement. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and now that we got everybody hooked on this concept, where do they find the book where they can learn even more? Oh, um, well, I, there's two books I'd, I'd, I'd ask them to consider. One is the um, Business Relationships That Last. I think that book is probably better for an entrepreneur starting a business because it's about how to launch new relationships, how to get referrals, how to work your way up the ladder. If if you're established in your career and you're not moving into an entrepreneurial thing and you, you want to move through the corporate, uh, and I know you probably coach people on both sides, uh, the Relationship Engine, the book that you cited initially, they're all out on Amazon. Um, they've, they, you know, they've, they've, they've spent their time in the bookstores and everything's electronic now. I believe there's an audible version of Relationship Engine. I think we have one coming on business relationships that last. It's not my voice because you won't want this voice. Um, <laughs> I disagree uh, you wouldn't want this but... voice uh, telling those stories. But um, yeah, and um, there's great anecdotes in both books about real relational leaders. And that's the, the, the term we use. So, but thanks for letting me pitch that. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, and, and we, and, of course, will we'll put all of those on the show notes at no more Mondays yeah. uh, dot info. So it'll be an easy link to those. And uh, they may or may not already be in my Amazon cart. Thank you. And then uh, and Wallace I, 007 on LinkedIn. That's the best way go. to reach me. And, and we, we post a lot of great stuff. So hopefully uh, people will connect with me. And he's now part of my network there. So uh, you yep. should follow both of us and we will fill up your note, your, uh, your notes, your, your news feeds. This has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you for, for taking some time and, and sharing your wisdom and everything with us. And as we, as we wrap it up and say goodbye to everybody, let's leave him with one more little piece of inspiration. What is your number one piece of advice on what everyone out there can do to get one step closer to career and life satisfaction? I wouldn't read the newspapers or the uh, online. Uh, I, I wouldn't look at macro stuff because that's not going to impact you at the micro level. I would, I would ignore all of the signs that try to scare us all from going into starting our own business. I started my business in 2008 happened. And if I read back then we had newspapers, if I read newspapers, I wouldn't be here with you today. So, you know, have, have that trust in yourself. And, and again, you can always say, I gave it a shot. It doesn't mean we're all going to be successful. So I would ignore the macro, focus on the micro and believe in yourself. I always love when somebody validates that it gives me permission to just quiet the noise. And, uh, I will just reinforce that with, you can always find a D and I, you can always find a reason not to. However, you won't be able to undo the regret if you don't try. And if you really look at the worst case scenario that could happen if you do, it tends to not be that bad. We just make it this giant, you know, scary thing in our heads. And if you can just come down to earth and look at it practically, imagine what could happen instead of what could happen. Right, Ed? Absolutely. That, Woo-hoo! I, very well said. I love this so much. Thank you again, Ed, for joining us on this episode and for being part of the No More Mondays movement. We love these kinds of conversations and hearing from people who have navigated their own career crossroads, but even more importantly, are helping others on this path to success and fulfillment. So awesome advice here. I hope you will follow Ed, get join both of us on LinkedIn and all the free stuff we give out. Uh, grab, grab the books. Uh, we'll link all of them 
in the show notes at nomoremondays.info. Give us a rating because this is one of, I think, my favorite episodes. No offense to the rest of you guests out there. And until next week, everybody, I hope you ditch the Sunday scaries and have a great week. I'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.